0: Uh, one thing I, I like, I like that old song. I like old country people and I preach a lot in Tennessee and Kentucky, Alabama, and down in there. And, uh, I like that one old song the old timers used to sing and it's in your songbook book. I happen to see it here. It's, uh brethren we have met to worship and adore the lord our god will you pray with all your power while we try to preach the word all is vain unless the spirit of the holy one comes down brethren Brethren, pray and holy manna will be showered all around. And that's the truth. Unless the Holy Spirit of God comes down and does something for us, there's nothing going to be accomplished. Amen? It takes the Holy Spirit of God. I don't know why Baptists are afraid of the Holy Spirit. Uh, there's nothing to be afraid of. I mean, just don't take advantage and try to uh, use that as an excuse to act like a fool. Amen? But uh, the Holy Spirit's real. He's there to comfort us. He's there to help us. He's there to guide us unto all truth. And when you dispel the Holy Spirit of God, you're missing out on a whole lot of things. How many have ever read your Bible and the Holy Spirit of God show you something supernatural out of the Bible that you need just personally? Not for somebody else, just you. Amen? Open your Bibles tonight to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. <clears throat> A man told me the other day, you know, I've been studying the Bible. I've read the Bible through over a hundred times. And, uh, man, this guy, he just got saved. I led him to the Lord there. Uh, he's from Batesville, Indiana, a young guy. He used to be a Nazi and all kinds of things. Now he's a born-again Christian. But he said something the other night, and he's very big in history, and he said that uh, uh, Tel Aviv is the uh, sodomite capital of the world. I didn't know that, you know, I you know I know they had a lot of problems with it, and it clicked a verse in me, brother, over in Revelations eleven eight, where God calls Jerusalem Sodom and Egypt. And I always wondered years ago why God done that. And everybody say, oh, it's just spiritual. He's trying to say how wicked they are. No, there's a reason he calls Jerusalem Sodom and Egypt. Because that's the sin that both those places had, Sodom and Egypt. Egypt got into the same stuff, man. If you see all them depictions in Egyptian tombs and everything, just like Sodom and Gomorrah. So that's why God called them Sodom and Egypt. They are the Sodomite capital of the world today. And boy, when the Antichrist comes back, he's going to wipe them down. He'll kill 14 million. You think Adolf Hitler got them. You wait till the Antichrist gets through with them because they are God's chosen people and he's going to try to wipe them off the face of the earth. And God's going to let him purify them. Amen. God's going to purify that nation. So 1 Corinthians chapter 13 I'm not going to read the whole thing for the sake of time tonight, but I'm going to be in this chapter, and I hope you learned something out of this. God taught me a whole lot out of this one chapter, but I will go through a lot of it as we go. I'll try to read the uh, first uh, four verses. He said, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, and have not charity, I am become as sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned as a martyr, and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. There was a lot of people that... Had their bodies burned, but had not charity, it's not going to be a profit to them. They gave all their money, it's not going to be a profit to them. Bible says, charity suffereth long and is kind. Charity envieth not, charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up, doth not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil. Let me read a couple more verses. Rejoices not in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. Beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. And here's one verse you want to highlight in your Bible. Charity never faileth. But whether it be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether it be tongues, they shall cease. Whether it be knowledge, it shall vanish away. You need to underline that in your Bible. Charity never fails. Father, thank you, Lord, for all the music. Thank you for all the good fellowship, the meals, and, and, and the kindness of this church, God, and the prayers that they pray for Vietnam Ministries. I pray you'll bless them for their efforts. I pray you'll feed each and every person here tonight from uh, the heavenly spiritual food that we all desire. And I promise you, I do promise you, Father, We will give you all the glory, all the praise, and all the honor because only you, through the Holy Spirit, can help us, each and every individual one, and you can meet all the needs, individual needs in here. I know none of them, but I know you know all of them. And God, please, Father, help us tonight. We ask it in the lovely name of our Lord Jesus Christ, and it's for his sake, amen. Now, I want to preach for just a few minutes tonight on the key, on the key. Now... One thing you have to understand, nine times in the, uh, in the, uh, is the word charity found in this chapter. Nine times. And everybody, if you studied your Bible, you know that nine stands for fruit bearing, right? The fruit of the Spirit is found in the book of Galatians. The book of Galatians is the ninth book of the New Testament. The word Galatians also has nine letters. The fruit of the Spirit is found in verse 22 and 23. And chapter 5 of Galatians, that's 2, 2 is 4, 2 is 6, and 3 is 9. You say that? That is just a coincidence. There is not enough atoms in the universe to make that a coincidence. Amen? God's got this book laid out in a mathematical way. Einstein said that he could not believe in a God that wasn't a mathematical formula. Einstein was an idiot because God's got everything laid out in a mathematical way. We just haven't found it yet. You know what I'm talking about? That's not bad on God. That's bad on you and I. Now, this chapter is a balance between chapter 12 and chapter 14. If you read chapter 12, it's talking about the gifts of the Spirit. In chapter 14, it's talking about the misuse of one of the gifts. And 13 is showing you a better way. Matter of fact, it says in 1231, uh, uh, but covet earnestly the best gifts, and yet I show unto you a more excellent way. And then he starts in chapter 13 to show you a better way. Now... Uh, have you ever lost your keys? Anybody ever lost their keys to their car? Oh, you ladies, man, I'm telling you, my wife, thank God we have more than one set of keys, amen? Uh, how many ever forgot their password? Into their computer, that's even worse, ain't it? My kids said, Dad, we can always get into anything you got because you use the exact same password for everything. I said, yeah, but I don't forget my password. One time I did, the reason I do that. One time I got mad preacher. I don't have much of a temper, but I do have a little bit of temper with IT stuff. I hate that stuff. I mean, we're all bound by it. One time, man, I got mad. I just picked that computer up and bounced it off the floor. I got sick of dealing with it. Then I realized I just cost myself some money. I mean, you make a mess if you forget the key. Now, I'm telling you, how many's ever done that before? Come on, be honest, man. You punched a... the the thing out man then you try to enter any way you can and to enter without a key is just going to leave a mess all over the floor this chapter talks about things that's not preached very much and I don't know why most people don't even know what charity means All the new Bibles make charity mean love. And I hear people uh, interchange those words. Charity is not love. You say, how do you know? Love is spelled L-O-V-E. Amen? Charity is not spelled that way. Charity is spelled C-H-A-R-I-T-Y. Now, charity means more than love. So don't interchange those words. Love is just an emotion. I mean, we have all kinds of crazy emotions. You know, but charity is a whole different ball game. Charity is action. Emotion with action. Love is just an emotion. Now, Vietnamese language is a lot more clear on this. These, these girls, these little boys, they say, I love you. That's what they mean, they like you. Amen. And Vietnamese have a word for that. Tick, it means like. Love is ill. Uh, You love your kids, ill tongue. But charity is an ill tongue. It puts it all together. Amen? So don't get those mixed up. Now, this chapter is key to serving God as the book of Revelation is key to understanding the book of Daniel. I mean, the book of Daniel, at the end of the book of Daniel, said it's going to be sealed up until the time of the end. But, you know, in 96 A.D., when God gave Jesus Christ and that's a revelation of Jesus Christ. that's not the revelation of John. You got to understand that when you read it. but God gave him the key to understanding all the prophecy in the book of Daniel and it was the book of revelations. So charity is the key to the Christian life once you're saved. Now Vietnam, when I went to Vietnam there's a key. For a missionary, the first thing for a missionary is you have to learn the language. If you don't learn the language, those people don't think you love them. If you put your effort in, which I did four years, uh, three and a half, four years, every morning, five days a week, I studied with a private teacher who was a college uh, graduate and he was Vietnamese and he spoke five languages and he taught me Vietnamese every afternoon for four hours. I would go out on the street and I would go to the market. I'd buy a pencil, I'd buy a cup, I'd buy coffee, I'd, I'd buy, a, you know, a pair of pants. I'd buy something different every day. And when i go down there, they'd teach me, you know, words. and all, i learn all kinds of words on the street. And, and when I speak Vietnamese, i speak like some hillbilly of Vietnamese, you know. i speak like a street. I'd sit down with the beggars, I'd buy their lunch, and they'd teach me all kinds of words, slang words. So when the Vietnamese have me up to give a speech, I use all my slang, and they're all back out there dying, laughing, thinking, how in the world does he know all that slang? Well, I learn it from the baggers, man, and the shoeshine boys in Saigon. So if you do that, they know you love them. The language, then you have to understand their culture. You have to know there are certain things you cannot say in Vietnam. You're going to make somebody mad. You know, oh, we say, oh, you're just stupid, man. Oh, you're ignorant. You better not say that in Vietnam. If you call somebody, no, 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 that's stupid, stupid, stupid. I mean, they will punch you right in the mouth. That's a very harsh word to a Vietnamese. You have to learn that, amen? And then you've got to learn the law. If you don't learn the law, that's key to staying on any mission field. Learn the language, learn the culture, and learn the law. Okay, charity is the key to the Christian life. How many of you want to be happy and have peace as a Christian? Well, you know, most of you don't. You care less. But, you know, if you want to have peace, you want to have uh, be able to be a good Christian and be in communion with God, you have to learn about charity. Now, the first thing here in verses 1 through 3, he says, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, I become a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have uh, all faith that I could... Uh, that I could remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. Here's the consequences without charity. And that's a strange thing, you know. We usually, we tell our kids, I don't know, maybe you don't do this anymore, but I remember when I was a kid, my dad says, you do this and I want you to do that. You go out there, and you hold them potatoes out. Then after that, you go get the eggs. Then after that, you go pick all them crazy old tobacco worms off the tobacco We used to not spray. And he said, and after that, he said, then you can come in, and then you can eat supper. And he said, if you didn't do that, I was going to wear you out. You all remember that? They'd tell you what to do first, and then the consequences was last. But in here, he's giving you the consequences first. He wants you to know straight up what's going to happen to you if you have no charity. Amen? Now, first, become nothing. Second, you are nothing. And third, profit nothing. Two words to notice here is I and all. The first three verses show how a a good thing can go bad. Is prayer bad? No. But if you pray and don't witness, that ain't right. Say, is uh, 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 knowledge bad? No, you should know more about the Word of God. But if you let that knowledge puff you up and you think you're better than somebody else, it's not a good thing. You've got to get a hold of that. 1 Corinthians 8, 1 says, Now as touching things offered unto idols, we know that we all have knowledge. Knowledge puffeth up, but charity edifieth. And if any man think that he knoweth anything, he knoweth nothing yet as he ought to know. But if any man love God, the same is knowing of him. You've got to be careful about all that knowledge that you pump in your head because if you're not careful, it's going to make you proud. You know what else it'll do? It'll make you look down on other people. You think all oh, them poor old ignorant Christians, they haven't arrived like I have. That's not charity. You know that? Yeah. That's not charity. Nothing listed in 1 to 3 is bad. Tongues, prophets. I speak in tongues. <laughs> I said, if you don't get saved, you're going to burn in hell. i got to interpret, too. The preacher can't do it. If if you don't get saved, you're going to go to hell. If you get saved, you'll go to heaven. That's what I said. Amen. I speak Vietnamese. That's all tongues is, is a knowing language to somebody. Amen. Listen, there's nothing wrong with that. Prophecy's not bad. Mysteries are good. Knowledge is good. Faith's good. Giving to the poor is good. A martyr's good. But if you don't have charity with that... Then you've missed the boat and it's not going to profit you anything. First time I went to Vietnam, boy, I walked in there. Man, I've got a earned Ph.D. I got a bachelor's degree. I got a master's degree in theology and a Ph.D. in education. Like one woman told me one time over in Vietnam, her husband worked for Boeing. We were sitting there talking, her husband talking about his education. And they asked me if I did, and then I told him. And she says, you sure hide it well. <laughs> My hillbillyism overrides all that ignoramus education, amen? I mean, if you brag about being educated, you've got a bad problem. All they're trying to do is propagandize you in a school anymore, amen? I'll tell you, man, there's something wrong with that. Education don't mean nothing to me. I want to know how much—not how much you know about God. I want to know how much God knows you. Amen. I want to know if God knows you real well. I first went to Vietnam. I thought, man, this place needed me. I'm going to fix this country. How I, was, I was going to change this. I was going to change that. These poor old ignorant backwoods people. And after all these years, I figured out God did not send me to Vietnam to fix anything. God sent me to Vietnam to fix me. I need to be fixed. Amen. Amen. I had those. I had all that stuff down, but I lacked balance. You need balance, folks. Some of y'all have some of the, all these stuff, all these gifts I've been talking about, but you're miserable. You're sitting around, you're waiting for your next big fight that you can get into with somebody. And that's not charity, folks. You don't have to tell everything you know to everybody you meet just to have a fight with somebody. You need to learn to show forth some charity. Let me show you the next thing. That's in verses 4 through 7. That's the characteristics of charity. And you're going to notice there's no reference to self in these verses, 4 through 7. There's a list of 10 things that charity doesn't do. Then there are 5 things that charity does do. There's an old saying, and I've heard this for many years, you can borrow brains. I get a lot of people's books and I read them, and, and that's borrowing people's brains. But one thing you can't borrow is character. You cannot borrow somebody else's character. Your character, you know, you know all the time, my dad and grandpa and uncles made me work and made me get out there and hold tobacco, and I hate tobacco. than anything in the world. I, you know, I got sick of everybody telling me what to do, so I joined the Army. <laughs> I found out that was a bad mistake. But, you, you know, they used to make me get out there and work and, in that hot sun and sweat and grimy and dirty and put up hay and and all that kind of stuff. And I had to ride that old mule named Kate. I was glad that old crazy thing died. I got sick of that stuff, man. I got sick of it. But you know what that stuff does? You know, we all want our kids to have it better than we had it, and we've run our kids. They need to learn some character. That's building your character. Listen. People say so-and-so is a charitable person because he gives money. That's not one of the 15 giving money. You know that, right? You know in 1 Corinthians 16, 14 says, let all your things be done with charity. You've got to have charity before you do those things or they're not going to profit you anything. The characteristic charity is something you have uh, when doing a work. It's not something that you do. It's not giving money. That's being generous. Charity isn't that. Charity's in here. Years ago in infancy of our work over in Vietnam, I'm very strict who we support. We just don't support all the kids. And first thing, they got to not have a dad. Well, here we go. We went in a van, went so far, and then we got in a big boat and went down to Macon. Then we went up a tributary and got one of these little paddle boats. And if you move like that you flip it over and then we went ma'am i bet it took us an hour hour and 15 minutes and they know what i said we do not support orphans with a dad if a mother and because she's going to take another husband and dump them kids we'll do it but i make them sign the contract they're never going to take these kids away from that house so we go in there you know and and they're investigating, and I notice something's going on, and it's a curse for them, me knowing Vietnamese, because I can hear what's being said. And, uh, you know, I notice there's this cripple over there. He's crippled on both legs. He had polio, and he, he's a mess. He can't walk or nothing. He's dragging himself around. And finally, I walk up to the uncle who was going to be the guardian of the kids. And I walk up to him. I said, so the father of these kids are dead. And he starts doing what the Vietnamese saying, Nai vom vom. that means talking around in a circle. And Vietnamese are masters at it, avoiding the question. And I'm a master at making you answer. So he just keeps doing that. And finally, I'm not going to grab you, brother. Don't punch me. <coughs> Can I get somebody 70, 80 years old? But I grabbed him and got him right in my face. Is the father dead and he just put his head down Now I knew he was in trouble all at once because I will not build a house if the father's alive all at once here comes this crippled and he's over here and uh, he says I'm the father man that was my chance I've been waiting for my chance to go off on them Vietnamese communists for a long time I'm walking up, Duke couldn't, he couldn't eat, he didn't even know I knew all those words. I was in the face of the police. Man, I just wanted to explode because I, I got a legal license and they just broke the contract. Man, I'm screaming and hollering at him, and I finally wore out and I'm sitting over there on the edge of a rice paddy dike, and this cripple comes over and he done something that I, that changed my life. He said, sir, he said, if you'll promise me that you'll raise my kids, you'll send them to school and you'll feed them and build them a house. He said, I'll cut my throat here in front of you and die. And he was serious. And I looked at him, boy, and the Holy Spirit of God got a hold of me and I said, well, since we're here, I'll go ahead and build a house. <laughs> I was trying to save face, but you know, sometimes God will change your plan. Do you know that? Sometimes you've got to be moldable in God's hand. Sometimes the characteristics of charity is you have to be pliable with God. You know that? Sometimes God ain't going to let you always have your way. You know that? Sometimes you don't need your way. You need God's way. And you got to learn to let, uh, submit to God. And I'm preaching to myself, folks, because I, I really don't like doing that. I, you know, i got things laid out, and we're all planned, and i got a schedule. I don't like people changing my schedule. But when God gets in it, you need to learn to submit. Now, I'm going to show you 8 through 10, and we're going to see the comparison with charity. And that one place in the Bible, folks, this is something everybody in here, everybody in this world's been looking for. Have you? Here's the one thing that this whole world is trying to grasp a hold of. And the one thing you're trying to get a hold of is never fail. This never fails. That means I don't care what happens. I don't care the situation. Everything else can fall apart. But charity never fails. You need to underline that. I'm telling you, you want to remember that. You can always fall back on charity because charity's not going to let you down. Then it goes on and tells you what will fail. It says prophecy is going to fail. Tongues are going to cease. One day we're all going to speak the same language. And it'll be Hebrew. I guarantee it won't be broken American English. And it says knowledge is going to vanish away. Now, Christians spend all their money and all their time on the three things that's going to fail, cease, and vanish. And when they do, they forget about charity. Listen, you don't learn enough to get charity. I learned one thing. It's after, it's after you know everything... In your life, that'll change. What you learn after that'll change your life. Listen, first out of Bible school, man, I was out of Bible school, man, I had it. My head was compacted with knowledge. I knew everything. I used to call the Mormons to my house. I used to call them up, come on over and let's talk. They'd come over, man, and I'd get them married. Man, I'd bait them in and I'd get them there and and they'd think they had me. I said, I want to ask you all a question. And they said, what's that? I said, are you wearing that funny underwear? Oh, man, you're wearing your temple underwear with all the tabs? Oh, man. Well, we got to go. And I'd laugh at them, man. Oh, you're going to burn in hell. I used to call the Jehovah Witnesses over. They'd come over, three or four of them was over there down in Pensacola one time. They was all set, and I got them so twisted up, they was about ready to get down and get saved. They went back and got the head of the kingdom hall, brought him in there, and he was trying to show me something in Greek. Folks, I could read Nestle's Greek critical apparatus. I could, I could take that thing. When I got out of school, I could take that thing, Nestle's Greek critical apparatus, and show you mistakes that he made trying to correct the King James Bible. Nestle's Greek critical apparatus is a bunch of trash. You know that? And I showed them where they was wrong in their own teachings. And man, that head of that, they brought him over and he, he thought he knew Greek. He probably uh, learned a little bit out of Strong's Concordance or something. And I had him t- twisted up and boy, he jumped up. My wife was standing in the kitchen. He jumped up and he hit me and bounced me off the wall and I was sitting there cracking up. I was laughing at him. I said, you're gonna burn in hell. You and Nestle's Greek critical apparatus and, man, I tell you, man, I, oh, I thought that was good. I was on the street one time. And two Mormons come up to me. And, and I was preaching down there in Dolphin Street down in Mobile, Alabama. And I was preaching. And, and these boys come up, and they were shaking. They had their little capes on. They said, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. I said, which one's stupid? There's five of them in the Bible. Man, they just melted. They didn't even know what I was talking about. Was that charity? Was that charity? You think God would take me to Vietnam with that kind of an attitude? What did that do? That made people hate me. That made people's hearts harden to the gospel. That was me hiding behind my hypocrisy. God had to do something with me to change my life. I used to relish in that arguing, sitting around and arguing about doctrine and the Bible and twisting this up and twisting that up and making people look like a fool that's not charity that's somebody that needs some charity Vietnam was my finishing school Vietnam taught me no doctrine and no prophecy but sitting down with my former enemies and working with them and getting a burden for those, their souls do you know the communist officials go to church with me now I've had the head of the province of Vin Long and one of the cops go to church with me. I take communists to church with me to hear the gospel. One time we had a Christmas program in Vietnam. and had a bunch of people from Montana and places, Americans over there. And I told the communists i give them a way to go. And I said, man, you know Americans, they're, they're ignorant. They're going to say something get us all in trouble. I said, well, you go to church with us and just sort of watch us. And man, we we went over across the water, went about 40 minutes out on boat down to Macon. We went into this church where I knew the pastor <coughs> and, and and he we got in that church. This is funny. We got in that church and the communists were sitting there with me and the choir got up and singing. And 23 of the people in the choir were my orphan kids had gotten saved. Them communists are sitting there freaking out. And that preacher got up and most preachers in Vietnam hate to talk about hell. They talk, talk about separation from God. And he got up there and he preached the wildest message on hell I ever heard in my life and how to get born again. Seven people walked the aisle right in front of those communist uh, 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 officials there that night. You say, why is that? Because God taught me some charity. Charity never faileth. You know what I'm talking about? All that other stuff. Charity's not going to fail you. But everything else, all that knowledge you think you got it, it's got you some of you puffed up. You know, all that money some of you think you got. It's going to va- You Have you ever seen a Hearst hooked onto a U-Haul trailer? You can't take that junk with you, man. You might as well you you know, you leave it to your kids. They're gonna fight about it and they're gonna hate each other. You know that? By the time the inheritance is over with, they're going to hate each other. I'll tell you what, I'm going to help some people out on this side of heaven. The only thing you can take with you is what you give away in the name of Jesus Christ over here. Let me give you the conclusion about charity. Look at 11. When I was a child, I spake as a child. If you read verse 11, you notice it answers all the questions in verse 1. 2 and three. He said, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, I am become a sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal. Look at the next thing he said in verse 11. When I was a child, I spake as a child. I understood as a child. Verse 2. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not charity, I'm nothing. It answered verse 2. And then down in verse 11 it says, And I thought as a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. He answers one, two, and three's questions down there in verses 11. Listen, Paul's tying this thing all together for us. You spake in tongues, okay, you're childish. You're leaning on that. You understood all mysteries. Verse 11, you're childish. You thought, given all your goods and yourself, that's childish. Because if you don't have charity, none of that stuff matters anyhow. We do not see things the way they really are. Look at verse 12. For now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then shall I know even as also I am knowing. We don't even know what we know. Out of all that has been talked about in this chapter, there's only three things that's going to remain in a Christian life. Look what he said, verse 13. Verse verse 12. For now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then shall I know even as also I'm known. And, And verse 13. And now abideth. I like that word abideth. Means it's going to stay. Faith, hope, charity. These three. But the greatest of these is. Do you know how big of a statement that is? The one that floats to the top and never fails here or hereafter is charity. You know what Hebrews eleven six 6 says? Without faith, it's impossible to please God. But it's not greater than charity. You know what he says over in Jeremiah 17, 7 talks about hope, it's blessed. But charity's greater. Greater than faith? Yes. That's what the Bible said. I didn't say it. 1 Corinthians 13, 13, charity greatest of all, abides forever, never fails. Don't you want to get in on some of that? Verse 11, get over the baby stuff. That's past. Verse 12, now present. We only see a glimmer. That's right now. Verse 12, then we will see it plain. That's the future. We don't even know what's going on half the time. Listen, I'll tell you a couple stories, and then I'll be done. I might have told this here before, but uh, God broke my heart many, many times in Vietnam. You know, you got a 1,022 kids. Every kid's got a story. But you got special kids that you remember. I got this one little old girl. She's growing now, but she was a tiny kid, and there was three of them in the family. And one day... There's a lot of depression in in Western Vietnam where I work. And they drink that bootleg rice liquor. And they drank and they sat around getting depressed, feeling sorry for themselves. You ever been around a drunk? Man, ain't nothing worse than sitting around an old drunk. And uh, I remember this little girl's daddy, these three kids. They was a boy and a, a girl and then that little girl. This guy got all drunked up and got feeling sorry for himself and depressed and he went out. He couldn't feed his family, couldn't do nothing, couldn't get a job, couldn't do anything for him. He went out and throwed a rope over a limb of a tree and got up on a box and he tied that thing around his neck and he jumped off. Well, he changed his mind several times but there is no way once you do that, Vietnamese aren't going to help you. They just they don't know what to do. So that little girl, those three kids stood there, and they watched their dad die a little bit at a time. Well, the mother of that father, which was the grandmother, blamed all of that stuff on, that little, on those kids. When we found them, the government introduced us. She had them in an old shack, an old fast-roof shack, that was about falling down, was held together by guide wires, dirt floor. Those kids were malnourished. They were sick. We went in there, and I had to send them to the hospital. You can't just start feeding kids food that was malnourished. We had to send them to the hospital, get them on IVs, get them pumped up, and then we started giving them nutritious food a little bit at a time. That grandmother, I could have drowned her in the Macon River and wouldn't have had a bad thought about it. How she? I I can't stand somebody that mistreats kids. There's just something bad, sick, wrong with somebody that mistreats a kid. Well, that little girl wouldn't talk. She just had this stone face. She had, she was so traumatized. And I go in there, man, and I go in there, and I go in and hug her, and. And and I'd get down and kiss her on the cheek and tell her I loved her. And I'd bring her new clothes. I'd bring her necklaces. I bought her new shoes with new outfits. I bought her things for her hair and had somebody come in and do her hair for her and everything. And and every time i come in there, man, i just love that little girl. I'd pick her up. And she'd just stiff as a board. But every one, after a while, she never would smile. And after a while, she'd start giving one of them sideways smiles. And after a period of time, she'd start talking and answering me. I loved that little girl and that little girl loved me. And I just, God, the Holy Spirit of God just come in my heart and dealt with me and dealt with me to love that little girl and show her the love of God. And one day, that little girl and me and all the communists were coming in there and that little girl found out we was coming she went in and put on all of her clothes and she put her bicycle, I bought her a brand new, she's too little to ride it, but I bought her a nice big bicycle and she had that thing out there and she had to run across this old uh, tree, There's old coconut tree, it was across the tributary and all the tributary is like a little canal and the, uh, the tide goes in and out and all that thing is is an open sewer. And that little girl come running across there. She had her hair all done, and she slipped. She was so excited, and she fell down into that. And she went up. Man, I mean, that stuff was all over her. There was human fetus in there and animal fetus. And she, man, she was a mess. When we walked in there, they was trying to pour Macon River water on her. Have you ever seen the Macon River? I mean, that's like throwing more manure on them. And I went in there, and, man, I had a white shirt on. I'd been with the officials and everything and she was standing. Did you ever see a little girl just shaking and crying and just traumatized, man? And boy, she was just crying and, and boy, she stunk. You never smelt nothing like that in your life. The Holy Spirit of God, I was standing there watching her and all them communists was behind me and the Holy Spirit of God dealt with me. And I got down on my knees in front of her and I wrapped my arms around her And I told her I loved her and I told her I don't care what you smell like or look like, I'll always love you. And that little girl, she softened up and I got up and man, I was a mess. I turned around and looked at them communist officials. There was tears coming out of their eyes and the governor of the province, I never will forget this, looked at me and he says now we know you love these kids. He said now we know you know I got in that van was going back down across the Macon go back to our room I was sitting there thinking about that and the Lord dealt with me he said that's how you were he didn't wait to clean me up and you know I thought of that song when I couldn't get to where he was, he came to me. And you know that's what the Lord's done for each and every one of us. And whenever you run out of all that knowledge and all that pride and all that stuff, you got to remember where you came from. Remember your roots. Let's bow.